0: So then let's start with um, uh, with that. I think that's a good clear path to use is like, you know, what's going on right now in the, you know, in your state. And and then let's kind of morph that into leading through a crisis because I think that's applicable to anyone, anywhere.
1: Okay. And how much content, how deep do you want me to? Well, I'll just chat with you about it. Like yeah, you could say, let's talk okay, about that. So what's going on with all the storms out West?
0: Yeah. And then we can talk and about, your I mean... Role yeah so yeah we'll ask you that like yeah so uh like i think that's how we'll kick it off and then that's where we can talk about then you know w- this is what we have to prepare for the the thing we don't know what that thing is and then yeah. that's where you and i can talk about whatever yeah okay all right The hollow Greetings and salutations, and welcome to the Hollow Bunny Leadership Podcast. I am Kristen Zeven and I am here with my effervescent co-host, Sylvia Moyer. Hello, always, Sylvia.
1: Hello, Kristen. It's always super exciting how you're going to describe me each time. Sometimes I'm effervescent, mm-hmm. sometimes I think I'm delicious? I don't know. Yeah. You're always
0: delicious. Always delicious.
1: A little delicious nibble. Yeah. Yeah. So welcome. I like to mix
0: up the adjectives every once in a while. So, you know, for our listeners, for our bunnies out there, for our solid bunnies. Um, So as everyone knows, or perhaps our millions of listeners Mm -hmm. know, is that Mm -hmm. we're a couple former police chiefs, But this is not a podcast for cops. This is just about talking about life and leadership between the two of us. Sometimes we've got some cool guests on and sometimes it's just you and me, right? Today, it's
1: just you and me. It is just you and me because we got life. We have life to talk about. And a lot of folks have said, hey, give us an update on what's going on. So Christine, you are phenomenal in the way that you have taken your Experiences as a police chief, and you've taken them on the road. And your your real uh, passion now is talking to folks about how they lead, how they might mitigate active shooter scenarios. The the here's what, so what, now what about active shooters and a number of other things. Where have you been
2: lately? What's yeah. going on?
1: Well, so I took you know the month off of December, and that
0: was kind of cool because you know I got to. Regroup and also, you know, we talked in our last episode about the crisis comfort. And I'm going to be honest with you, I had a little bit of a crisis uh, because there wasn't a lot going on. And, uh, and so I had to work through that. That was actually kind of rough for me because I'm used to traveling every week and, you know, going different places. Mm -hmm. And so I had to, I had to really confront that discomfort of being in one place, which I'm not very good at because I struggle with that restlessness, but what it did affirm for me that since retiring from my 30 year police career is that where I need to be is, is talking to organizations and you know about not just leadership but about preparing for the unthinkable and that's what I've been doing which uh, is why I want to ask you, uh, you have a lot going on in your state. Uh, the crisis can be anything from mm. uh, a mass shooting, like what, what happened in my city, to, oh, I don't know, a pandemic uh, or to a natural disaster. And I know that you're going through some stuff there in Marin County. So talk about that. I mean, you are now the sheriff of Marin County, where you are leading through a crisis as we speak. So what's that look like for you?
1: Well, I like that you call it Marin County. It sounds is it Marin? It's Marin, but you know, tomato, tomato. So, yeah, I hear it
0: both ways. Well, thank you for the correction, and I'm sorry, you Marin County residents.
1: No, uh, there are going to be thousands of them that are going to say, "Hmm, we got to talk about
0: that." Yeah should we Should we edit that out
1: so I don't look like a booby? Uh, yeah, we have got a really <laughs> super producer that can probably help you with that. So,
0: or you know what? Or we just, or we just call it a gaffe. You know, I, I misspoke. How did I? How did I pronounce that wrong? Hmm. I
1: don't know. Seriously, there okay. there are particular people that will get spun, <laughs> but I think the rest of us will just give you grace. So here's the deal. So. Uh, you know, it's it's a really interesting space to be in because leadership has, as an activity, and with all the principles and traits and all the things that we bring into our leadership experience, right? And our and how we show up, uh, there are some really interesting things that I'm learning. I have not led in a space with custody, a jail, and all the intricacies of that, and caring for for incarcerated persons and that whole system. The coroner division, totally new space with the kind of puzzles and mysteries that those incredible professionals really dive into. And uh, courts, it's really interesting above and beyond the other traditional stuff that I've led in municipalities. Well, the thing that I'm comfortable with is the incident management system and I was on an all hazards incident management team. So I super love, love, love emergency operations center and the whole incident command structure. I love it uh, because it gives us a framework in order to, you know, have reporting elements and real lanes that we travel. And then, you know, uh, reporting elements, you know, a certain number of people. And anyway, you know, but it's, it's new to me because I haven't had, Uh, an operational area that has a coast. Marin County is on the cool side of the Golden Gate Bridge. We have uh, mountainous terrain, real cool topography, the bay. And then on the other side of the mountain, we have uh, the ocean. And so I'm fascinated because I'm learning about high tide and how eight inches of rain on Mount Tamalpais at high tide is a recipe for disaster. So <laughs> I'm learning a whole bunch of new things. And, and I'm also leading in a way that recognizes stress, both operational, organizational, and personal stress of the people uh, in which I engage with. So that's all been really, really fascinating. So let's
0: pause right there and explain to some of our listeners who may not be in emergency management and law enforcement on the fire side. So- what you said is is indicative uh, of 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 preparation so you mentioned ICS which is the incident command system yeah and so that is so important because and that's why i want to touch on that this is what i go around speaking about is preparing for the unthinkable and again yes. you don't know what that thing is coming that thing the boogeyman coming to your organization yeah and so what that that Mm -hmm. incident management is, is basically just a structured breakdown of, of leadership who is in charge. And like, for example, in the mass shooting in my city, I assumed incident commander along with the fire chief. So it became unified command. And all that means is that, you know, he was taking charge of the medic side of the house and I was taking charge of the law enforcement, you know, the the critical response uh, on the police criminal side. Right. And the reason that 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 matters is because it sets the structure for leading operations. And we see organizations that do not follow that command structure. And what happens is complete and utter chaos now a, a an incident a, a serious incident looks chaotic but when you are are running the incident command structure it's actually organized chaos and so organizations can learn from this that that are perhaps outside of the realm of of first responders in that you can set you know, this preparation, what we call it a threat matrix, call it whatever you want. But when the boogeyman shows up, not if, but when, uh, how are you going to handle it? Who's in charge? Who's in charge of operations? And so I think it's important for our listeners to really, to think about where they are in their lives and their organization and determine, you know, if something were to come to my organization and threaten it, are we prepared for that? So um, I just wanted to pause there. So if people didn't know what that was.
1: Yeah. So let's kind of tease that apart. Even in listening, people can envision this. We have what's called the planning P. It's this P that has very clear steps. And that's for the kind of event that we know is a, is occurring. It's coming to us. And it's different in, than what you're talking about with this emerging threat, Kristen. It can be a planning P for a tornado, some act of nature. It can be for a large event. Incident Command offers for us that there's an incident commander there is uh with four with four key and central commands. There's the logistics, they do all the getting of the stuff, bullets and beans and toilet paper and food and all that stuff all the stuff that you need. There's the operations section, that's the people, that's the stuff that goes out into the field. There's the planning and intel function. Those are the people that plan. They do the advanced planning for the next operational period. The intel people, they take a whole bunch of information, cultivate it, churn on it, and turn it into intelligence, which is different than information. And then there's the finance and admin. Those are the folks that are tracking how much is it going to cost for wood, for sandbags, for equipment, for lighting, for workers' compensation, for all of the stuff we have to order. And then um, those elements report poured up to an incident commander who has also a press information officer to keep the community informed, to keep the media informed, a safety officer, there's weather people, and there's all kinds of folks that come to bear in a large incident. In the field, it's super cool because you identify who's doing what and reporting elements. There's this really cool thing that you basically don't have more than six individuals reporting to one person. That's about the span of control that one person can kind of has a capacity for. So there's in the field kind of incident command and it can expand and contract with that incident and then there's something like the emergency operations center whoo it's sexy in marin county it is the not not know,
0: Mar- not marin county not
1: marin because i don't even know in
0: where marin where that where, where, where in the f is that uh uh-huh. uh-huh. can uh-huh. i just can i just make a comment right now um yeah, i you just totally nerded out there and it uh-huh. was so sexy it was so uh-huh. sexy the way yeah. you talk about emergency management uh-huh. i just i I don't, I was, I was gripping my chair. It was that sexy.
1: Right. And not many people
0: can make that sexy.
1: You know, Kristen, we all
2: have our gifts, <laughs> right?
0: Okay, but listen, you just said something about expanding and contracting, and this is so yes. important in the middle of a crisis because you have to be able to adapt to the crisis at hand for is small, um, and yes. so that's one of the things when I go around speaking is, are you adaptable? Because as, as we know, is a no two crises are crises. Is that crisis? crisis? Uh, what's the plural of <laughs> crisis. Crisis. <laughs> Um No, two crises are exactly the same because right. you, ha- and you have to be able to pivot. And I know, you know, in, in the incident that you're going through is like, you know, you, you, Gather that intelligence and then you assess the situation and then there are actionable items and then you go. But it is so important that you have this framework ahead of time because if you do not have the framework ahead of time, then you are going to fail. It, it, it's simply Sorry. put, you're going to fail. Sorry. It's going to blow up. Something will go wrong. Yep. And and it will be an epic failure. And so I, I just think that's so important. I love that you just walked through it in that sexy way, but it's so, so crucial for
1: organizations to really take heed. Right, and you know, I gotta say, the firefighters, fire scope, and all, they're the ones that perfected this. They're good at it. They yeah. are so good at it. And the cops, yeah. we were slow to figure it out because we're yeah. like the canary in the coal mine. We'll go in and I, I will say that Fire goes in, they do their thing, and then they rehab and they demob yeah. and they do all these things that that really ensure that they are healthy. We go until we are about to drop. Yeah. And so the the really interesting thing is it requires a degree of discipline to stay in your lane. Everybody in the emergency operations center has a vest. You know, they have their vest. It says like a uh, communications branch or whatever their role is. They have each person has a term. They have a role. They have, there are forms, there are all kinds of things. And it sounds super bureaucratic, but the sexiness is you stay in your lane as an individual to fill the collective. And I've known folks, I had a friend that when we got really into ICS, he actually organized his daughter's wedding using ICS. He goes, okay, uh, I'm the IC. My wife thinks she's the IC, but (laughs) I'm the IC. And he really organized it in a way that gave him a framework to be successful and then gave specific roles to people without making it super weird. They filled their roles and it was successful. So, so this is not only, and what I'm engaged in, um, I think there's a couple things that are really important. I want you to speak to the distinction that you talk about so brilliantly between notification and communication. I want you to do that in a second. Um, and also I want to say that there are the, the men and women in Marin County sheriffs, they come to work ready. They serve, they are ready for the long haul. Uh, and the, the, Organization is built in a way that we have bunk rooms, we have a laundry facility, we have a gym and showers and folks can stay for the long haul and we have a full kitchen. It's really remarkable because the expectation is with all the natural and man-made threats that are before us, we have to care for the people who care for people. For sure.
0: So and- let's let's unwrap this. Um, I'm going to surmise that this incident is not the first time uh, that that you have have seen this, and I, what I mean by that is there was preparation ahead of time. There are tabletops, there are experiential training, scenario-based training. And the reason that that's so important is that it's not enough just to say, all right, we've got, you know, this incident command structure, but now you have to practice it because we know that you play like you practice. And when you put your people through that kind of training and you, you know, you try to speculate, okay, you know, what is next? And the way that we did it is (laughs) we always had, you know, like a mass shooter, but then that wasn't just it. Once people started getting comfortable working through, you know, that crisis, then we tossed like a a bomb threat three blocks away, right? Just so then people had to regroup and under that kind of duress, but it's in a controlled environment. So I want to underscore there that when that incident shows up in your, in your city, in your organization, it shouldn't be the first time that you have practiced the crisis. And that's very important about preparation.
1: Right. And, and mindfulness is part of that preparation because it is being present with the unfolding experience. Yeah. And so there's, there's that. And I do still want you to tug on that thread of notification communication after I say this, that something that's remarkable is the men and women that do this work. Also, they're not only engaged in this higher order of preparation with this weather event. And the catastrophes that are occurring around this weather event—people, the mudslides, people being totally dislodged from their homes—the the the men and women have to have a care and consideration and compassion for those people. Imagine how devastating that is, right? And and there are there are people that are being evacuated. We have to communicate with a wide variety of people in Marin County. There's. It's, it's so robust, the service that's provided and the, the safeguarding. I also want to say this. There's also somebody whose bike just got stolen. There's somebody <laughs> who just got into a, a crash. It is the worst thing that's ever going to happen in their life. Yep. They've just had a loved one have a stroke or a seizure. They need care. And yeah. so where we have multiple crises, there is a necessity for us to show up. Yeah, I love that.
0: Yeah, for sure. So yeah, I'll touch on the communication versus notification. It's something that um I wish I I knew where it came from. I, I'd love to think that I made it up, but it's it's kind of my trademark. But um I honestly don't know where it came from. But you know, it for leaders in an organization, it is very easy uh to 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 notify. That is to say, this is the policy uh jump. How high, right? Uh, yeah. To put forth orders, and and I will argue that there is a time and a place for that kind of notification. In the middle of a crisis, you don't want people saying, "Why are we doing this?" That is that is the time when the defecation hits the oscillation, when orders are being followed. But let's go back, and communication is Thanks. the key into the preparation and into the most important aspect of these crises in any organization. Your people, when your people understand number one, the, the operations, when you give them the skills and the tools, you know, Daniel Pink wrote, wrote the book drive, and it's about what motivates people. And he identified three key components. What motivates people are one autonomy. People want to be able to do their job without being micromanaged, right? Two People want mastery. They want to, to become experts. I mean, when's the last time, you know, you said, Hey, are are you good at your job? And people, you know, who, who says, no, I kind of suck at it. You know, that's not what we want. People want to become masters. Um, and then the third component of that is they want a a purpose, something, you know, that they, they're aligned to, right. So our job as leaders is, uh, number one, to provide them the autonomy. And that means to trust them to do their jobs. But, You cannot trust them without building skill i mean that's what that's where that trust comes from is trusting yourself that i have the skills and the ability and the talent to carry out this job right and so it is absolutely about people and so that's where the communication comes in is that you know let's all brainstorm what's the worst thing that could happen and that's what i lead all my presentations with is i want you to sit and you wherever you are and you think about where you work, what is the worst thing that could possibly happen. And don't limit yourself to the things that have already happened, because that's easy, right? I mean, mass shootings, you know, natural disasters. But but really put yourself out there, use your imagination, and then let's communicate how we would handle that. Let's let's walk through the steps. And so that's really what that is about. And then as you mentioned, the most important part. And you know when the incident is happening, and even actually it's post incident when it's most important. In the middle of an incident, you're not going to be able to communicate. You're gonna you're gonna have to notify. You notify the public. You notify your stakeholders, your people. But then after the fact is okay. Now what happens next? You know what are the next steps? What has happened? You know, and and how does this affect you? And that's where that communication is. And then most importantly, taking care of your people because. These helpers, the ones that the first responders that show up, they are the ones who are putting their lives, and not an exaggeration, they're putting their own lives at risk to save people to keep people from harm. And so, um, it is those people who are charged with the caring of the community. We as leaders have to take care of them.
1: Right. And, and preach sister. And I have to say, so, so many people have said, so what do you do in the emergency operations center as the, as the undersheriff? I'm like, I don't do anything. Mm-hmm. I show up.
0: That's right. right. And he pause, really, he- pause, pause right there. Sylvia Moyer. Leaders show up. Yep. Carry on.
1: Humility is not passivity.
2: Mm-hmm. To right. stand
1: in a humble place and show up does not mean we are passive. That's so right. many of our peers get wrapped up in, what do you do? What are mm-hmm. you doing? What mm-hmm. actions are you taking? And so sometimes the, the greatest leadership thing Activity you could do is to be inactive. Yeah, but so
0: that's so interesting, you know. And this has become a a, a common theme or or topic, as it were, right. when it comes to you know, leaders' r- response to crisis. And I can tell you uh, with great confidence that in the middle of my mass shooting, I was not the person who was the operation incident command, um, is, or I'm sorry, is, is I, I was running operations, but I was not the one with the, the action, you know, that is my SWAT commander. Uh, he knows far more than I do. And, and for operational tactics, that's the word I'm, I was searching for is that those, that tactics, sure. it is my job to organize, but I, I'll tell you what, there are more, I, I may have, you know, the highest rank uh, in, in that particular incident but the people who have the better skills are the ones who are managing the internal perimeter right. and going in and doing the grid search of the shooter who is still at large right well, so well, so so you don't and i think that's maybe where the the misnomer comes in is that you know the person who's the highest ranking has to know the most and that is its just couldn't be further from the truth is you you show up and the way i see it is i'm there to carry the water tell me what you need so you can perform your duties to the best of your ability? That's where that mastery and autonomy comes in is what do you need from me so that you can fulfill those duties?
1: Sure. And it's so interesting because uh, that is as important as actually having the skills. It's developing that ability to just be and to empower. This is what I was just talking about this past week. Centralized command decentralized mm-hmm. execution mm-hmm. yeah exactly perfection right, right there. and, That's and it. so the command is centralized the execution is decentralized mm-hmm. and so uh, it's it's interesting because the men and women in the field have to know that that the command is centralized the mission is laid out that the all of the pieces will come to bear to support the overall mission. They have to understand their piece. Someone told me that everyone in an organization should have a clear line of sight between what they're doing and what is the, the overall mission, whether mm-hmm. it's a cubicle, um, a an office, a desk, a console, a squad car, or whatever, to have a clear line of sight between what we do every day. And the mission is mm-hmm. really what people need. And that requires communication. That requires an understanding of what we are trying to achieve. And Mm -hmm. so there's a there's a real necessity for us to communicate and to describe that for folks and then to clarify it. I mean in in the emergency operations center and getting through this weather event, I mean think about this. We activate the emergency operations center consistently for weather events. That wasn't common. Some time mm-hmm. ago, but we're recognizing that there is value in having centralized command yeah. in that way, and bringing up kind of upstaffing and having everyone communicate, notify, and have a structure for if it turns bad, we yep. can rapidly adjust, rapidly shift because we are ready.
0: Yeah, and there's a problem solving that has to be yeah. built into the training, because again, not everything is going to unfold as you predict or as you trained, and so oh, there has to be, you know, a mechanism to stop, assess, regroup, and and then you know, and then act, um, and so that that's pivotal. But I love what you said, and I I want to really I, I want to extrapolate this out because I can tell you throughout my 27 years sworn, um, there were many times that I went through training where I rolled my eyes and was like, really, again, we have to go through this training again. And, um, it was so interesting that after our mass shooting, uh, a couple of the officers said, you know what, every time we go through active shooter training, every time we go through this kind of experiential training, I'm like, really again. And yeah. they said, after this incident, I will never roll my eyes at training again because uh and you said you know whether you're at your cubicle what happened that day in my city is that everyone did the thing that they were trained to do with the, yep. that was fitted to their skills, talent, and their ability, and they performed flawlessly on that day because they yeah. had done it so many times. And so, we have a tendency, you know, to to roll our eyes that we got to go through this again. And I really want people to pay attention to that preparation because it may seem mundane, it may seem cumbersome, but you need to walk through the ICS training, the operations, and what your role will be. You know, so. That you can perform on that day and that's where that mastery comes in and again why leaders have to make sure we give our people the tools because if they don't have the tools and even the abstract tools of decision making we have to also empower our people uh so there were many times during my incident where i found out later that someone stepped in and did a thing that really that wasn't their assignment, but it needed to be done. And so there's an empowerment piece in there too, where you don't, you don't have to ask permission. Don't wait and run it up the flagpole. If something needs to be done in the middle of a crisis, you just freaking do it. And that's what happened that day as well. So we also have to build, that's where that autonomy comes in that, that Daniel Pink talks about is people need to be able to do their jobs and we need to trust them to do it. And that's why we put them in the positions.
1: I heard someone say, hey, let's distinguish mastery and perfectionism. Mm. Oh. And that's kind of what you're talking about, right? Yeah, because if, if we're focused on perfectionism, how does one ever achieve that? So distinguishing mastery and perfectionism is really, really important. And there's also shoot, there's also this uh, really interesting thing around courage, right? Mm-hmm. Courage and the courage that it takes. What, what's the, what did Churchill say? Um, Fear is a reaction. Courage is a decision.
0: Mm. Isn't that what he said? Yeah, I love that. And,
1: and so choosing courage, choosing to take the initiative in a Mm -hmm. crisis, like you've just described, courage is knowing what is right, knowing what's needed and taking the initiative, even if it's outside the bounds of what is your specific role or job in an incident like you're describing in a a crisis, that's okay. Yeah.
0: But you know, what builds, you know, we've talked about courage and bravery and all of those things, but I'll tell you what, what builds that is that when there's that hesitancy of, of not acting, that failure to act, what we oftentimes find it's a lack of confidence because there is a lack of skills. And so when you build skills, you build confidence, which then builds, I think, courageousness. So I don't know. What do you think about that?
1: Well, I I don't, I don't think it's far from kind of the standards of reason. Mm -hmm. Um, Skill building can also uh, increase one's confidence right mm-hmm. and I think that's what you're arguing yeah. I also think it has to be paired with development uh, mm-hmm. education is development so developing the whole person and developing mm-hmm. um, the ability to discern developing the courage it's not the fear absence of fear but it is it is clearly saying that I'm going to assess this mm-hmm. I'm going to apply the skills that I have and I'm mm-hmm. going to use the courage um, that I have cultivated and the confidence in order to take the the requisite action. So, yeah, I
0: guess, I guess what I'm saying, I'm, I'm, I'm trying to unpack what's in my, uh, my head. Uh, so I, I guess what I'm saying is let's think about it this way is that there are, are, are different types of people. Now we tend to look at, at first responders as being mm-hmm. people of action, right. But, but arguably innately in us, there are different responses that, that, homo sapiens take one is the is fight the other is flight and the other is freeze right and so here's what i'm arguing i'm arguing that courage can be built Because if you get someone who is thrust into a situation where there is a mass shooter, or you know, insert any crisis here, right? You're if you have not been trained, you are going to do one of those three things: you're going to fight, you're going to flee, or you're going to freeze. But you don't know what you're going to do. You can say, I hear all day long, oh man, if I was put in that situation, I would run towards that gunfire, right? And I'm like, oh honey, because you don't actually know. Yes. That's why, you know, that's why I like, I don't think everyone should just be given a gun because everybody's like, you know, a good guy with a gun. Well, you don't know how that person is going to react. So I, so I guess what I'm trying to say here is that, it, it, and you kind of hit on it, is that skills can be built, is that what you, you don't know exactly what you are until you are tested in that moment. And so when you can build the skills by, by you know, through scenario-based training, yeah. what, and that's also mindset, right, is that I will go in and I will do the thing. And that's why first responders are a very special breed. People often say, I'm sure to you, as they have to me and, and to many law enforcement and firefighters, is I could never do what you do. Yeah, you're right. That's exactly right. Because some people just can't or what wouldn't want to run right. towards and gunfire, right? So, so, I, so we I, it. It. yeah, we found it and we have the skill, the desire to do it. Yeah. And that's what I'm saying is I think that you can take a person that maybe yes. does not have that that courage or bravery and you can build that through skill. So it is something that you can build. If you don't have it, you can build it. I guess that's my that's my uh my hypothesis.
1: Yeah. And I wrote this down. Perspective is the way you see the world. Mindset is what you think about what you see. Yeah. Two per- on that for a second. Perspective mm-hmm. is the way you see the world. Mindset is what you think about what you see.
2: Also, mm-hmm.
1: well, how do you apply that to action? Action is the way that we see the world is often influenced, right? Or it may mm-hmm. be, um, it may be innate. Mindset is what we think about what we see. We Mm -hmm. have the ability to discern, to look at an environment, a micro terrain, a macro terrain, situational awareness. Mm -hmm. That's that's a big deal. Situational awareness is understanding the environment that we're in. The mindset is what we think about what we're seeing right before us.
2: Mm -hmm. How we
1: are interpreting the environment that we are in, in order to apply our skills And um, who we are as first responders, our duty that's driven into us, that's really part Mm -hmm. of who we are, but it's also reinforced, Mm -hmm. the humanity that all of us approach our our duty with, hopefully. Um, And that is what really governs how we take action. Mm -hmm. Um, There might... well. We, we may not want to dive uh, into this pool, but there's also this, this condemnation about the action that we take. Um, and there's a paralytic effects that some people are reporting based on the condemnation of the actions that are taken um, in policing. That's
0: why I think that training is, is a necessity because you, again, you, you do not rise to the level of the expectations. You fall to the level of the training. So then when you put your officers, your firefighters, uh, first responders through that training, then they're going to play like they Mm -hmm. practice. And so that's where then, that's why I think that that is, you know, what leaders need to do is make sure that they have the skills because once you have the skills, you're less you're less apt to make errors in the field that are going to be criticized later. And I have found that the headlines that you typically see, especially in law enforcement, are because these officers were not trained well. And so they didn't know what to do and they failed in that man versus moment. You know, when they are yeah. figuratively tapped on the shoulder and asked to do that thing, they have failed. And as a result, you know, that's mm-hmm. where lawsuits come and where, gosh, where life is taken, you know, and if they're not adequately trained. So, you know, that's probably, uh, like you said, a whole, other, <laughs> a whole other pool to dive into. But, okay. you know, yeah, crisis management, well, though, is, 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 is really about the readiness. And no matter what that is for you, look at all the organizations that thrived Or learned to thrive during the pandemic. Not, and I'm not talking about policing. Let's put public safety aside. Is that it was those organizations that didn't know how to pivot um, that folded, right? But then you had organizations, let's call you know a restaurant that said, okay, we can't eat inside. So uh, this is a crisis. This is our bottom line. We have Mm -hmm. to you know feed our employees and their families. So what are we going to do? all right, let's do curbside carryout, you know, and so they pivot. And, and so the organizations, the companies, uh, and businesses that, that, that stayed afloat during the pandemic were able to take a crisis, apply that, that, you know, incident management and say, okay, here are the operations. Here's how we're going to pivot. And this is how we're going to deal with the crisis. So you can really, you can apply that preparation to anything.
1: Without a doubt. and, and you and I have talked a lot about comfort, choosing courage over comfort, choosing, choosing to be present with the circumstance, the discomfort, the pain in which you're, you're in the courage to show up, yeah. even if you don't know what the outcome is going to be like, that is where leaders emerge. Yep.
0: yep. So, a so good place to land this plane. That's a good place. Yeah.
1: Yeah. So, so I think we, we do land the plane. I think if, if our listeners are really to think about this, they think about what planning looks like for their environment, what mm-hmm. planning and preparation looks like for uh, their leadership kind of space. What are the things that they can and should do to get ready and stay ready? So that when it hits the fan, they have a mm-hmm. level of courage. They have a level of competency and a level of, um, I guess, uh, well, I'll just say that, that leadership grit, that readiness. Mm-hmm. What do they need to do to be able to show up when it hits the fan? Planned yep. event, there's a lot more time, but it does take some cerebral stuff and some courage. The emerging event uh, relies on all of us or we are relied on to show up in a way that reflects that we have the training and the development, the skills, the courage, all of that to really take the leadership leap. Absolutely. Yep. And I think that's the most
0: important thing. If you are a leader, uh, the most important thing that the gift that you can give your people, you know, is, is our our skills, you know, and then, and then allow them to apply those skills in that, that autonomous way. And then, and then care for your people. It's about compassion. You know, it's, it's about loving your people more than you love your position.
1: Yeah. Compassion is, is a practice.
0: We're not absolutely
1: it is a problem. It's something that we have to cultivate. Well, so you filled my bunny today. Thank you.
0: When you, you when you, you nerd it out, when you nerd it out uh, on uh, ICS, uh, you filled my bunny today. Yeah. You, you know, did it.
1: Um, someday I'll draw the boxes
0: for you. <laughs> and, ooh, oh my and God. Do you mean stupid. it? Do you mean it? I do. I commit to it. Wow. So you would draw all of the ICS boxes. I that would. would be amazing. Wow, in our at our next cocktail party, I'm gonna have you do that like on a napkin and I'm gonna frame it.
1: Okay. I'm here for you. No okay. Matter. All right. You're my favorite bunny,
0: So You're my you're favorite my bunny. My
1: favorite bunny. You are solid, sister. <laughs> and I have to say, you know, also, I say this often, but it bears repeating. What you are doing in getting out of your comfortable comfortable life, to go into environments, to really challenge people to think, to tell your story repeatedly, and to describe uh, that entire event and then your commitment from turning that tragedy into something super meaningful uh, is remarkable, Kristen Zeman, and we are better because you do that. So Mm -hmm. anybody wants wants you to speak about this in whatever environment they're in, whether it's policing or uh, corporations, whatever, how do they get a hold of you. How do they do that? <laughs>
0: wow. That's amazing how you just teed that up. Wow. You can find me on KristenZeman.com.
1: Okay. Well, we're laughing, but you know, somebody might just ask and why leave them wondering? You're
0: absolutely right. And I'll, I'll tell you what, if you invite me to speak to your organization, I'll wear a bunny suit. I don't, I don't even care. I'll, I'll do it. do
1: promise what you want to do.
0: I love you hard still. Love you big sister. And thank you to our millions of bunny listeners out there. Thank thank you so much for tuning in. Uh, This podcast was produced by Ted Madden. And the song you're about to hear is written and performed exclusively for our little podcast by my handsome and talented son, Jake Zeman, and his friends, Fabian and Zoe. If you love our podcast, please subscribe. Really, right now, just stop. Click that subscribe button, it. like it, review it, uh, retweet yeah. it, repost it, do yeah. all the things. If you don't like it, just move along. Just move, move along. along. Nothing more to no, see here.
1: Nothing yeah. to see here. No, keep moving. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Melted bunnies. Just go. Go. Bye, everybody.
1: Bye, everybody. Thank you. Go out and lead.
2: When you look inside. the hollow buddy I know I'm gonna fall, but I'll pick it up and come back stronger. Failing.